Proverbs chapter 3. I initially wanted to read verse 5 to 7, but I'm going to read verse 5 and 6. Because the longer, the more verses I preach, I read, the, more, the longer the message. So I caught it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. If you're there, you say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, I'm confused. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. We give you praise for your word. We ask that this word we're about to hear this morning will edify us, will challenge us, will encourage us, and above all, transform us. That the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we may behold the mysteries and revelation reserved through this word. Take all the glory this morning and be exalted as we decrease. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on what I captioned, how to trust in the Lord. How to trust in the Lord. The word trust is an assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of something or someone. Now from this definition, you can clearly tell that it's difficult to trust someone if you want to follow this definition. Because it says you rely on the character, the strength of someone. And sometimes I find that we are easy, we find it easy to trust people than God. Because we trust our doctors. If I came to the church this morning and said that the Lord is saying to me that I should tell you that you should stop eating every morning so you can lose weight or so you can be healed from that sickness, maybe difficult to obey. But if you go to the doctor and the doctor says, the one I'm seeing you have six months to live if you don't stop eating that fufukon. <laughs> I'm telling you, you would throw every fufukon from your house and if you call your family back in the village, you throw the one in your village. <laughs> because we trust doctors more than God. When we take flights, for example, when we're about to board a flight, we don't even know if the, the pilot finished aviation school or if he finished with first class or second class or his experience. We don't know how many flight hours he had before he was employed at that airline. Yet we enter the plane. No one gets into the plane and says, I'm going to stand at the, the door just in case something happens so I can jump out. We get into the plane, the doors are closed, we buckle our seatbelt and we fall asleep. We don't imagine if this thing just drops from the air down. We trust the pilot. We even trust program trains. Do you know the trains we have at the airport that takes you from A gate to B gate? They don't have anybody driving those planes. They are programmed. So we enter them without anybody driving those planes. We, we trust the process. And we know it's taking us to where we are going. But we find it difficult to trust the law. We even trust our banks. You work all your money and you trust that someone can keep it for you. And when you want it, you take it from them. But we do not trust God. People like to say, trust me in this. Please, please trust me. Anytime somebody, somebody is telling something and tell me, trust me, trust me multiple times, it's a lie. That thing is not true. Because if something is trustworthy, you don't have to defend it. It speaks for itself. Amen. 
It speaks for itself. A relationship without, a relationship with God without trust is like having a, a very expensive car without fuel. You can't drive it to anywhere. No matter how beautiful or expensive it is, you can't take it to anywhere. You know, people, because of life's situations, they have developed a philosophy that says, trust no one. So even with their husband, they're like, I'm suspecting this man. They don't trust anybody. I just beg you that as you are developing these principles, do not let these principles cross to the level where you don't trust God. Because if you cannot trust God, your life on earth will be miserable. One man called Anton Chekhov said, you must trust and believe in people or life becomes impossible. You must trust and believe in people. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 to 8, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. It says, There will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. When you trust in the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 3 that we read, verse 5 and 6, the first thing that I noticed in this text, which is very important, is that the Bible did not say trust God. It says trust in the Lord. There are two different things. Trusting God and trusting in the Lord are not the same. Trusting in the Lord means you have to be in the Lord to trust him. You have to have a relationship with him to trust him. In other words, you have to know him to trust him. Because there are people out there saying, I trust God. But they don't know the God they're talking about. But to trust in the Lord means I have known him. I know his character. I know his personality. I know his track record. And now I can trust him. In Psalms 9 verse 10 it says, Those who know your name trust in you. Lord, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name. So until you know him, you can trust in him. Until you know him. Trusting in the Lord means to totally and completely depend on God for everything. As you journey with God. For everything. Now the phrase that says he will make your path straight. Meaning that trusting in the Lord is a journey. God is taking you through a journey. And if you are going to have your path straight. And see yourself walking without obstacles. It says you have to trust in the Lord. Because only God knows the way. You are going to a destination that only God knows the way. God knows where there are toes. He knows where there are accidents. I like ways. My wife always argues me about ways and math, Google Maps. I like ways because ways tells you accident reported ahead. Police report. It tells you every detail on the road. It tells you that ways depends on other drivers to report the incident so you can tell those who are behind. But God knows about the incident before it even happens. Meaning if you are driving to Delaware, before an accident happens in Maryland, God knows an accident is about to happen. So he 
He knows how to reroute you so you don't meet that, meet that accident. If you trust him. Now listen, we believe in God to go to heaven. But we have to trust God to have a successful journey in this life. We have to trust him to have a successful journey to our destination. Many people will make it to heaven, but few will accomplish their destiny because they fail to trust him. Take Moses. Moses is in heaven. We know because when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he appeared. Moses and Elijah appeared, so we know Moses is in heaven. But when Moses was leading the people into the promised land, he did not enter because he failed to trust the Lord. So he made it to heaven, but did not fulfill his destiny. There are children of God that are going to arrive heaven and realize that they did not become all God programmed, programmed them to be because they failed to trust the Lord. How many people feel like anytime you try, something always comes to hinder you? It seems everything concerning you is always complicated. The Lord is saying to you this morning, trust Him. Amen. Trust Him. If you ever desire to reach your destination, trusting God is not an option. It's an obligation. You have to trust it. Hallelujah. Trust. I feel God is telling somebody this morning to trust him. He said, my daughter, trust me. Trust me, my son. I know the way. I know the end. I know the process. I know how it would happen. Trust me. Brothers and sisters, God is calling you and me to trust him, but the question remains, how do I trust the Lord? How do I trust the Lord? This passage has indicated three ways in which we can trust the Lord. Number one, it says with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, entirely. Trusting God with all your heart means to put your weight on God. For example, when you walk in this morning and you sat on that chair, you did not test that chair to see if that chair was going to hold you. You flip that back and you, you put all your weight. How many kilograms you have, you release it on that chair. But if I did not trust that chair, you will try to test that chair to see. Sometimes you sit like you sit slowly to see if the chair is going to crack or do something. You release all your weight on that chair because you trust that chair completely. So trusting God means to put all your weight on God. That is what it means. To put all your weight on God. Trusting God with all your heart means to have no backup plan. Because some of us have backup plan just in case God fails. We have someone we can lean to. We have a backup plan. Sometimes it is difficult for some people to trust God because they say we have to face the reality. There are Christians who say they have faith but they still have what they call reality. If I give all this money to God, let's face reality. If I say I'm trusting God for healing, let's face reality. So in as much as they are trying to trust God for what they are believing him to do, yet reality is before them. But trusting God means to ignore the reality and believe that what God said, he is able to bring it to accomplishment. Is anybody hearing me this morning? What God said is able to do. Have you also heard people say, follow your heart. Follow your heart. And how is he working for them? 
How many people have ended up in heartbreaks? Marriage, married to Syria cheaters and liars. Sex offenders. Failed in businesses because they follow their hearts. In Jeremiah 17, he said, The heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful. It says, who can know it? So if I'm trusting someone, I am trusting God for that person. Because you can't really know the heart of someone. There are couples who have been married for 20 years. And the wife died mysteriously. After a forensic investigation, they found out that their husband killed their wife for life insurance. But they were love birds. They were always holding hands. They showed up at every wedding dressed the same. They were on Facebook posting together. But when that money showed up, the heart of man killed the wife. And you say, follow your heart. <laughs> follow your heart. My sister, don't follow your heart. Follow God. Amen. Now listen to this. Amen. Your heart is important. But your heart is like a pilot. When a pilot is flying, the pilot relies on the knowledge that he got from school. But that pilot has to communicate with the control tower as long as he's in the sky. He relies on the control tower to tell him the planes that are coming, if the route is safe, if the landing is safe, before he can land. So in as much as he has knowledge and information from the school that he went to, he takes control from the control tower. So my heart may be telling me what to do as a human being. But my ultimate decision comes from the one who sits in heaven and knows the hearts of men. Is someone hearing me this morning? In Psalms 28 verse 7 it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. He helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. There are people who feel frustrated because according to them they said, I trusted God. And he failed. I trusted God. And he failed. So when you try to talk to, to talk to them about church. They say I went to that church. I was once going to church. I was a prayer warrior. But what did God do for me? God failed. These are people who thought they were trusting God. But they were actually testing God. Because a man who trusts God. Can never have regret for trusting God. Because you trust him wholeheartedly. You give him your all. A typical example in the scriptures of a man who trusted God is Abraham. See what God said to Abraham and Abraham obeyed. In Genesis 12 verse 1, he said, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country. Now, take note. Number one, go from your country. It's one thing to say, okay, leave Cameroon, leave Ghana, leave any country you came from and go. But he says, go from your family. In other words, separate complete from your country, your family. The King James says from your kindred, meaning that anyone that is related to you by blood, disconnect from them. And he says, go to a land that I will show you. Abraham obeyed without asking any questions. He bought, brought a U-Haul, packed all his things and said, neighbors, I'm leaving. He said to her, I don't know, the Lord will show me. Trusting God with all your heart. He did not ask any questions about direction. Lord, what do I put in my GPS? He just went down. An example of another person who did not trust God was Ananias and Sapphira. They made a commitment to sell everything they have and bring it to the apostles' feet like every other person in the church did. But during the process, I don't know if it's the wives that said, honey, 
We are giving all this money to church. What if everything in the house of God finishes? Then we don't have anything to eat. Let's have a backup. They said, okay, from this $1,000, let's give 700 and keep 300 just in case. And guess what? They went to God's house and they died because they did not trust God with all they had. Could it be that the reason why you are holding back in your commitment is because you don't trust God? Could it be that the reason why you're not giving the way you need to give is because you don't trust God? Could it be that the reason why you are holding back in your marriage, you are scared of interviews, you are scared of trying, is because you don't trust God? You are holding yourself back because your trust is not fully in God. Do you know that anxiety among Christians is caused by lack of trust? One of the causes of anxiety among Christians is caused by lack of trust. Because one side of your heart is trusting God. And the other side is all over the place trying to figure things out. So in as much as you are saying, I trust the Lord. Your heart is everywhere trying to figure out your life, figure out your future, figure out the difficulties in your life. And now there is this mixed emotions going on. But when you trust the Lord, you give him all. You surrender all to him. Hallelujah. Let me announce to someone this morning. You will never see the glory of God or experience the peace of God until you fully trust him with all your heart. Tell them about trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Tell somebody again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Somebody type in on the chat, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, it says don't depend on your understanding. Now, human understanding, I call it, is an antitrust element. Human understanding. Meaning you cannot rely on your understanding and trust God at the same time. You cannot. The scriptures did not say your understanding is useless. It says don't rely, don't depend on your understanding. You cannot trust, you cannot rely on your understanding when you are trusting God because God's ways are higher than our ways. In Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You cannot reason what God says. You cannot reason it. Because God does not operate from a natural realm. You cannot reason the supernatural. Now listen to this. When the children of Israel entered the promised land in Joshua chapter 6, read from verse 1 to 5. They got into the promised land and they were faced with the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho were so thick that according to Josephus, who is a historian, Jewish historian, he says that two chariots could run on the top of those walls without touching each other. That is how thick it was. And then the Lord says to Joshua and the army, he says that all you have to do is march around this wall every day once. And on the seventh day, you go twice when you hear the sound of the trumpet and the wall shall collapse. To any military guy, does this make sense? If you were in the U.S. Army about to fight like Ukraine is fighting with Russia and the Lord said, Ukraine, 
Just go around the Russian camp every day once. And on the seventh day, <laughs> go. they will say, you are crazy. You are stupid. But that's what God said. And he walked. Because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The trouble we have trusting God is that we want it to make sense before we obey or follow. But listen to this. If everything God said had to make sense, faith would be useless. The reason why we have faith is that there are things we have to believe when it doesn't make sense. This is what it says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I don't see, but I believe. That is faith. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 7 and 9, after Elijah killed the prophet of Baal, then Jezebel threatened to kill Elijah. Elijah ran away. Elijah was in the desert, and the Lord sent ravens to feed Elijah with bread in the morning and bread in the evening. And there was a little brook that he drank water from. And in 1 Kings 17, 7 and 9, it says, Sometime later, the brook got dry because there had not been rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now let me put this to you in perspective. Elijah is running away from Jezebel who is threatening to kill him. He says, if I see you, Elijah, you are dead. Then Elijah is hiding in the desert and these ravens are bringing him bread and he's securely eating in that cave gets out and drink water from a little stream. Then the Lord says to Elijah, now I am sending you to Zarephath. Let me tell you, Zarephath is the hometown of Jezebel. In other words, go to where the woman is looking for you, in the headquarters of where she came from, and stay there. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's that you came to the United States to seek asylum. And the Lord said, go back to Cameroon, to Africa, and there, I will provide for you. <laughs> from the same place where you are running from, the Lord said, go back there. Then he says, I have commanded not a rich woman, a widow to feed you there. And in Genesis, in 1 Kings 17, the Bible says, when Elijah arrived at Zarephath, there was a widow there gathering sticks. <laughs> and Elijah said, give me something to eat. He said, all I have is small flan oil for me and my son to eat and die. This is the woman that God commanded to feed Elijah. Does it make sense? Naaman, the Syrian captain, was sick of leprosy. And a slave girl in his house told Naaman, there is a prophet in Israel. If you go there, you will surely get your healing. So Naaman arrived with a chariot of goods because he came to see the prophet as a guest of honor, thinking the man of God will come and say, hey, man, captain, welcome. Give him a red carpet, welcome. Give him something to eat. Elisha did not even come out to see Naaman. He sent his servant and said, go tell Naaman. Say to him, go wash yourself seven times in Jordan. And your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Verse 12. And not a banner. And far by the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went off in rage. Naaman always almost missed 
his miracle because what Elijah said did not make sense. <laughs> Lean not on your own understanding if you're going to trust the Lord. How many of us like Naaman have missed God's program for our lives because it didn't make sense? Because what you were seeing didn't make sense. What God was saying did not make sense. So you followed the other route because according to you, this did not make sense. But when God is leading you, the road may look like a desert, but it's going to lead to the promised land. Is anybody hearing me? The road may be dry. It may look like there are enemies, but there is victory on the other side. It may be dark now, but there is light at the end of the tunnel when God is leading you. Trusting in the Lord is being intentional to follow him and obey him. When we don't understand and when we don't know how it's going to work. Have you imagined the level of trust that Mary had to have to conceive Jesus? This is a girl. History says Mary was between 12 and 14 when the angel appeared to her and gave an announcement about the birth of Jesus. And Mary said, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel said, the spirit of the, of the Lord shall overshadow you. And listen to what Mary said. In Luke 1, 13, it says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. In other words, an angel comes to you as a single girl and tells you you are going to be pregnant. And everything biological tells you this is not possible. But Mary says, may your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, according to Mary, if God said it, that is all I need. If God said it, I don't care what biology says. I don't care what my age says. I don't care what man says. I don't care what my background says. If God said it, that is all I need. I can trust what God has said because he has a track record of fulfilling what he says. Hallelujah. When he says it, that is all you need. May your word to me be fulfilled. If God shows you now what the future he has for you now. The Bible says, I will do something new. That if you were told, your ears would tingle. In other words, even you will not believe if God showed you your future. That is why he takes you one step at a time. Because if God showed you where he's taking you to, many will not believe. But when we trust the Lord, all we need is the word of God. If I have that word, I'm good to go. If I have that word, it silences every doubt. Because God is faithful. He's a covenant-keeping God. He says, my covenant I will not break. Nor alter the words I've spoken from my lips. When he says it, it will come to pass. Is anybody hearing me this morning? God is telling somebody, don't depend on your understanding. Now tell the neighbor, I know you have more degrees than a thermometer, but don't depend on your understanding. Tell the neighbor, I know you have more degrees than a thermometer, but don't depend on your understanding. I know you graduated with first class uppers from your school, but don't depend on your understanding. Hallelujah. I told you a story about a, a, a professor from the university who went to Dr. D.K. Lukoya for prayers. And Dr. Lukoya was leading him in prayer. I said, pray this prayer. I said, every evil rack placed on my hands, let it be consumed by fire. Because he had been in the university for many years. No promotion. 
Professors who came after and became head of department, became all kinds of things, but he was always a teacher. So when a man of God gave this prayer request, it didn't make sense. What do you mean by evil rank? What does this have to do with my promotion? As he was there reluctant, trying to figure out what this was all about, God opened his eyes and he was carrying dirty blankets in the dream. The man started screaming, every evil rat, every evil... He, he became crazy because he saw what God was saying. But naturally, it did not make sense. Don't depend on your understanding. And number three, it says, in all your ways, submit to him. The King James says, acknowledge him. Submitting to God means taking God into consideration in everything you do. In everything you do. It means you don't make any decision without consulting God. That is what it means, to trust God. It means you go to God first before you go to any man. Because what we often do is that we go to people and places. When it fails, then we go to God. When we are at the back, our back is at the wall. That is when we start having phone numbers of pastors or brothers we know who can pray to call them. But you trusted other sources first before you went to God. Submitting to God means when I'm confused, when I don't know what to do, when I have bad news, when I'm faced with tragedy, I go to God first before I go to any man. Hallelujah. In a functional relationship, I say functional, a man or a woman doesn't make a decision without consulting the spouse. I know that I say functional because we have cases where there are men building houses back home for their father, for their mother, and their wife doesn't know. I'm the man. I decide. But when it comes to trusting God, you can't relate with God without consulting for decision. You know you are not trusting God when you do not, when you do not seek God for decisions. You make your decisions, then you pray along the way. You decide to go. When there is trouble in the journey, you start calling upon God. It's like Jonah. You are going to Nineveh that God did not send you to Tashi. And then when the storm starts, that's when you start figuring out, how did I get here? Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, why me? Why is this happening? But when you started that journey, God wasn't there. You started dating that man without praying, asking God if that man is your, your husband. And then when things became bad, you became a prayer warrior. But in the beginning, you did not consult him. You trust him first. Submitting or acknowledging God means going to him first, like I said, before anyone. Sometimes people go, like I said, to people first when it fails. Then they come to God. In Jeremiah 17, 5, it says, this is what the Lord says. Curse is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. There is no situation in this life that is not addressed in the Bible. There is no circumstance you're going to face that the Bible does not have something to say. So acknowledging God means Consider what the Bible says about every situation. I know we live in a woke culture where people think they know more than the Bible. They say, I know what the Bible says, but you know, think about it. Think about it. I mean, let's face reality. Let's, let's face circumstances. Because according to them, they are more woke than God. <laughs> God was woke before any man became woke. <laughs> you trust him and trust what he says. Submitting to God means in everything, 
you totally surrender. Stop trying to figure things out on your own. You are not that, you are not that good. Stop trying to figure things out on your own. Now, many of us will submit to God as long as things are convenient. If everything is showing well, we submit to God. But how many of us, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would have refused to bow before that image when we saw the fire? We say, oh God, I'm just going to bow, pretend that I'm bowing, then after I can say, forgive me. That's what we'll do. So whenever we are faced with challenges like that, we compromise. Then after we go and ask God for mercy. But it's just showing a sign that you are not trusting in the Lord. You're not trusting in the Lord. For some, acknowledging God is not a problem. But acknowledging him alone, that's where the problem comes from. Because we know what the Bible says, but we have to also consider other opinions. What people are saying, what society is saying, what your family is saying, what your friends are saying, what your heart is telling you. Even though you know what the Bible says. Somebody said, Pastor, I know the man is not a Christian, but my heart just feels for him. Anytime I see my heart just... I know he's not a Christian, but I, I just have this connection, you know. I've never felt like that before. <laughs> Follow your hand, my sister. <laughs> when trouble comes, we'll know you were trusting. You know what the Bible says. That is final. I consider what God says. And if God says no, it's no. It doesn't matter how many people are saying yes. If God says no, it's no. And if God is saying yes, it doesn't matter how many people are saying no. If God says no, it's no. I follow God. An example of a case where a man did not submit to God is in Joshua chapter 9. If you read verse 1 to 16. The Gibeonites heard that the Israelites had made it into the promised land. So this is what they did. They masked themselves and pretended to come from a far nation. And came to Joshua and said, Joshua, we've heard about your reputation. How the Lord has used to conquer the armies and defeat your, 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 your enemies. We came to make an, a treaty with you to be an ally so we can fight together. We'll be your servants. And Joshua said, are you sure you're not coming from the neighboring town? He said, no. Look at our feet. Look at the bread. We had this bread warm when we left home. They took bread that was like one month old and put it in their bags. And from those evidences that they presented to Joshua, Joshua believed them. And entered into a covenant with them. The Bible says, days after, Joshua found out they were living down the streets. Because he did not trust the Lord. How many have been deceived by evidences like that? A Syrian murderer. When he comes to love you as a woman. My goodness, no man has ever been romantic like that. He's coming to your job with flowers. Give you breakfast in bed. Calls you every three seconds. Always there for you. Making sure... It's only when you get my real that this man has been a convicted sex offender multiple times. But every evidence around you said no, he was a good man. But the evidence around you is not what you trust in. You trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. You trust in the Lord. You trust in the Lord. Do you know why David was called a man after God's heart? David committed more sins than Saul. He committed adultery, killed a the husband of the, of the woman. More sins than Saul. David had anger issues. If you read the Bible, one time David sent his servants to Nabal to go ask for bread because he assisted Nabal's uh, shepherds in the forest. 
Nabal refused. David was about to go kill Nabal and every man in his house. Even though for Abigail, his wife that came to appease David on the way. But the Bible calls it David a man after God's heart. Why? Because nine times in the Bible it says David inquired of the Lord. Even when the conditions were obvious. For example, David went to war. When he came back, they had captured his wives and all his children. He still went to inquire of God and said, should I overtake? Should I pursue? Because if I come home and my wife has been kidnapped, I should not even pray about it. I should follow the kidnappers. But David, being a man who always trusted God, did not take what was obvious to be, to be obvious. He still trusted in God to ask him, should I overtake? Should I pursue? Because sometimes, when it's obvious, we don't trust God. When that job is like, Six-figure job. You don't pray about it. <laughs> this is the Lord. This is the Lord. Everyone is obvious. Still trust God. Listen to me. Before you marry that man, trust the Lord. Before you take that job, trust the Lord. Before you invest in that business, trust the Lord. Before you go for that journey, trust the Lord. Before you buy that land, trust the Lord. Before you buy, bring that person into your house, trust the Lord. Before you move out of state, trust the Lord. Before you bring that person into your life, trust the Lord. Always seek the consent of the Lord. Regardless of the situation. Hallelujah. Let God go before you. And then you follow. Never go before God because God does not follow any man. I say never go before God because God does not follow any man. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us today to trust him. But if you're going to do so, it has to be with all your heart. You can't be one leg in, one leg out. You're not fully in God, you're not fully in church. You're not fully in the world, you're not fully, you, are, you are like one leg in. When I look at you, you seem like an unbeliever. They want to look like a Christian. We don't know where you belong. Trusting means I'm going to leave everything. And follow him with all my heart. People may say I'm crazy, but I trust him. They may say that church has taken over your head. I trust him. The things I may be doing does not make sense to my friends, but I trust him. Because it's with all my heart. I'm not depending on my understanding. And I submit to him in everything. When I'm in pain, when I'm in tears, I trust him. When my enemies surround me and I have nowhere to go, I trust him. When it looks like there is no way of escape, I trust him. Because the God we serve, he will never fail. Amen. Amen. He will never fail. If you believe this, we clap your hands and stand on your feet and thank the Lord.